Hi, and welcome to the Bada Boom podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Cliff Chang about his DC Black Label book, Catwoman, The Lonely City. Listen in to hear more. Hey guys, welcome. We have on a special guest today, Cliff. What's up, Cliff? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. good. We're excited. This is a special day because uh, as we talked about before recording this, uh, actually issue four and all four issues of Catwoman Lonely City are now on the DC Infinite app, which is probably my favorite series of the year. And we're excited to talk to you about it because it, it, it feels so unique in a lot of ways. And especially us as New Yorkers, it was cool to read and get those little Easter eggs and stuff. So to open, like, how did this come about? Did, did you pitch DC or did they pitch you? Yeah, surprisingly, they pitched me. Uh, you know, I was really excited about the Black Label books. Uh, you know, the idea of doing um, kind of more adult-oriented uh, stories with DC characters, uh, you know, it was always kind of the, um, I don't know, it was always the dream back when I was working at Vertigo, um, you know, but they really tried to keep those universes separate, you know, and like, you know, so that, you know, you wouldn't have like adult more adult stuff with, you know, Superman at the same time that you're putting him on like underoos, you know, and, and kids bed sheets and stuff, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, once I announced that I was really excited because, you know, I just thought there were so many um, opportunities, storytelling opportunities. They called me and they were like, Hey, you know, we'd love for you to do something if you want to draw anything or whatever, but if you want to write something, let us know. And that just blew my mind because no one had ever approached me to ask me to write something. Um, I'd only done little bits here and there and, you know, and I was just so flattered, but, uh, I didn't have anything. I, I had no <laughs> ideas cause you know, it was, uh, it was such a surprise. They, they said they'd love to see something like my version of, uh, new frontier, DC new frontier by Darwin cook. And, you know, which was just so again, very flattering. And they wanted to see what I might do with, you know, the entire DCU. And it took me a while before I figured out that, you know, I don't, I didn't have that big, that epic of a story, but, you know, I do like, you know, the Bat characters and to try and find something that maybe felt a little bit more manageable within that universe might be a good way to go. So, uh, you know, I came up with, you know, this idea of a Catwoman heist story, but it also needed another layer. And then when I figured out, you know, what if she were older getting out of prison and Batman is, isn't there anymore, you know, what? happens to Gotham when Batman's not there anymore. Like he defines so much of the city and what happens in the city. And when you remove him, you know, what does that city become? What happens to everybody else? You know, and and I thought that was an interesting environment to explore and and to give a hook for uh the character uh of Selena, you know, like in a way she's her character's been so defined by her relationship to Batman when you take that out. What do you have? Who is she? Um, and as she gets older and is dealing with, you know, kind of sexism and ageism, you know, what's her relationship to being Catwoman as well? Yeah, well, the whole 10 year jump was very surprising when I started reading it. And I really loved how you incorporated so many different characters in the it's only four issues. And there's so many characters like left and right that I'm like, wow, I was not expecting to see this person. Or it's also just crazy how these people have changed over the 10 years. How did you go about deciding which characters you wanted to put into this from 
the entire like Batman's rogues gallery, there's hundreds you could have picked from. How'd you pick the ones that you put in the story? Yeah, I think uh, it was, I used characters that I've kind of had an idea that I could have a good take on them and that they would add something to the heist um, element of it, you know, and one of the the things to be careful with was the tone of the story, you know, because you kind of want it to feel somewhat believable, even though it's in this superhero universe, you know, and you want it to feel a little bit um, street level on, you know, so having someone like the Riddler there, you know, was great because he doesn't have any superpowers, you know, either. And, and he kind of keeps it a little grounded. Um, but then you also, but you don't want it to just be that, you know? And so having killer croc, you know, gives you a heavy, but you know, he looks like a crocodile, you know, and then poison Ivy, you know, then, you know, brings it another different element. So it's fun to see kind of the classic, some of the classic rogues, uh, gallery in there, but you know, older and, and having moved on in their lives. Yeah, when I saw Killer Croc and show up in the comic, I was like, oh, man, I don't think I've ever thought about what it would look like when he just gets old, because he's always just like a ripped, like, I thought he would probably be a character that would die young. And seeing him there and the relationship that he and Selena created while they're training for the heist was really special to me, because that bond was so strong. And it it shows throughout the the comics and also the bonds that Selena makes with the Riddler. Like it's only four issues, but every single panel and conversation that she has with her crew is it becomes like a small family for her. I wanted to treat the characters as much like real people as I could, you know, and that kind of extended towards like, you know, how long would they be doing this? You know, they're sort of like professional athletes, you know, and at some point they kind of age out. And then in the case of uh, Lonely City, there a bunch of them are forced out um, because the city stops um, allowing, you know, super uh, superheroes and supervillains to run around. So, you know, what happens to someone like Croc, who's like a, you know, like a football player, you know, and, and, you know, when, once he stops, you know, doing jobs and, and kind of, you know, being, uh, so active, you know, he's going to get heavy and then like all the damage and, you know, headshots that he's taken over the years, you know, like those are going to add up too. Um, you know, so it's what I wanted to do was explore what would happen to these characters in almost like real time, you know, uh, the, uh, timeline for the book in my head, I don't really go into it. Um, is that, you know, Batman starts in 86 or 87 when Batman Year One, the comic comes out and then has kind of aged in real time. So even like the 10 year jump that we see at the beginning of the book, like that was only 10 years ago. And, you know, Batman was 45, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, um, you know, it, I always find it funny when people refer to the book as like a future book, because it's not to me, it's a very contemporary book, but it just happens to feature these characters in an older um you know, in an older light. So it's sort of like, it's more like an alternate, you know, earth. It's like the JSA earth kind of, you know? (laughs) And that's interesting because, you know, I think people assume when they see like that military police state, they just assume, all right, it's 20 years in the future. And it's like, well, those things are kind of happening now. So, (laughs) so it's, um, and like what I, what I found interesting too, like in terms of like your takes on the characters is like, you, you do add some characters that, you know, you don't quite expect to see like, 
you know, seeing Etrigan was was awesome. Like, you know, especially the way you, you drew him and, and Jason Blood. Like, was there any in terms of sort of the editorial side, you're writing it, you're drawing it. Was there any back and forth into what you could include and what you couldn't include in terms of the characters? Yeah, they I mean, they were really good about it. Um, I, I think Black Label is dedicated to kind of bringing, you know, helping bring out like the creator's vision um, on these books. Uh, you know, there were questions like, are you sure about Etrigan? Are you sure about, you know, um, Red Tornado? You know, that sort of thing. Um, and for me, it was important to have those because they provide context for Gotham and especially by the end for it to move into a place, you know, because Etrigan is a Gotham City character, but he's not necessarily a Batman character, you know. I guess, uh, right, and also Alan Scott is mentioned in, in like, the second issue, and, you know, he's a Gotham character as well, but not, you know, or Gotham-based character, but not a Batman character. Uh, you know, it was important for me to kind of at least hint at, like, the broader range of characters within the DCU, um, and that also, at the same time, it kind of gets out of control for Selina, where, you know, there she is without any powers, Try, you know, and then things just blow up and get, you know, really um, kind of insane and magical and, and, and out of her wheelhouse. Yeah. And like one thing you mentioned earlier that was kind of funny because I was thinking about it was um, you sort of when they pitched you, they kind of, you know, saw it was like, hey, we, you referred to Darwin Cook. And obviously he had a huge run on on Catwoman. And I think what, what's interesting about Catwoman is that she's one of those few characters in, in the Batman's Rogue Gallery where she's, you can really do whatever you kind of like with her. You know, um, I think what's interesting in your book is like, you know, she's a Latina, like she, in, in the movies, she could be black, she could be white. And she, she can go through all these transformations without people really like blinking an eye. She's very much like Batman in that way. So like, in terms of like your inspiration, were you reading a lot of those Darwin stories? Or were there any other Catwoman stories you dived into to kind of get like a sense of like where you wanted to take the character? Yeah, I mean, I had read um, those Catwoman stories when they were coming out. And, you know, I thought they were great. You know, the stuff with Ed Brubaker and, and Darwin and um, Cameron Stewart. Like, I, I thought they were such a smart and fun way of, um, I don't know, of looking at the character in a, in a new light, you know, especially after years of kind of, you know, of DC maybe not knowing what to do with her. Um, and Selena's big score, another Darwin book, you know, uh, used her in, in pretty much a, just a straight up crime story. And uh, I thought that was, that, you know, was really great. You know, I wanted to embrace that stuff while also bringing in more um, DCU stuff. And it's, I guess in the, you know, the, the Catwoman book uh, did that as well. Um, you know, I, I felt like, the whole fun uh, of it was getting to play with the DC toys um, as opposed to doing something that was so street level that, you know, you wouldn't, you couldn't get that stuff in there because it would seem too ridiculous, you know? So that, that was another tonal thing that like, you know, I wanted to have, that's why having uh, red tornado there was also important. You know, she's like one of these early female heroes, you know, and what happens to them? It's all like everybody, each character has made different choices about how they choose to move forward with their lives. And, um, you know, for, for Catwoman, um, you know, I think you're right. She, she is really malleable. And, and that's kind of the beauty of it because like the character is so kind of at her core, 
she's you know a cat burglar who wears a cat outfit <laughs> you know and and she likes to steal stuff and she can't be tied down you know um and immediately you know who that character is you know uh, this kind of free spirit and like what you know so um it, it's a bit of a blank slate and that you can kind of come into it and and as long as you play within you know uh with those you know main features um you, you can do a lot on the sides yeah and, and speaking of characters that you can kind of like mold and work with i really like how you molded harvey dent uh, or two-faced in this because i was completely bought in to yes he is a good guy he is 100 percent looking out for the city when he first appears and he was the last person i thought was going to show up uh when he was in the comics i was like oh i bet you know it's uh gordon is the mayor or some other character brand new character or, or i even thought maybe penguin's going to be the character with this huge time jump and his development from being a villain to being a mayor to keeping the coin on the desk and all the way to the end i thought was so great and he was one of the characters i'm like i want to see exactly how he comes from villain all the way to the end and that was really cool the choice of like when he's on the news it's like a video game kind of sequence of where of it's a black and it's text and just like a loading screen kind of like in a classic almost like retro game i would be playing at an arcade is like the title scenes i thought that was so cool how'd you come up with that kind of sequence for the the panels but also having him be the mayor and him be kind of like the villain all the way through for Selena. Right. Um, let me see. The, the TV panels are inspired, of course, by um, Dark Knight Returns, where Frank Miller would have these little four by three, you know, old school TVs with um, a caption of text, you know, of, of the dialogue above it. And I wanted to do something like that, but we don't live in a world with four by three, you know, um, cathode, you know, TV, CRT screens anymore. You know, everything's widescreen and whatever. And what I came up with was just like to kind of crop in on a regular news panel, news TV screen, and then run the um, the closed captioning, you know, in a in a black square above it, so that you know you get the feel of it being a TV and the way you know you you read off a TV. So that was a fun like way to nod to Dark Knight Returns as well. But and and it's such an efficient way of getting a lot of information across and doing storytelling in in a very fast way. Harvey Dent, you know, was someone that I tried to present as sympathetically as possible for someone who's so wrong. Um, you know, like he he absolutely believes um, that what he's doing is right. He's just got the the you know the wrong way of seeing people. You know, uh, you know, and and he's you know he he sees himself as a savior. I think you know, uh, and and so that gives him in his mind kind of like almost like a divine right to fix the city you know and i would have if i had more pages i would have liked to explore him a bit more and the pressures that he's under um you know just because you never want your villains to feel too flat and two-dimensional you know i i tried to as much as i could to give him some depth and and a little bit of sympathy um you know as as you go through but you know he's he's an interesting character to me he's someone who you know who, who then you know who is kind of redeemed, you know, on Fool's Night, um, 
almost accidentally. And then seeing that opening, you know, makes a, a grab for power, which, you know, uh, I think probably, you know, it would be interesting to show how, you know, how he rises back to, you know, to becoming mayor. Um, but, uh, you know, so I think there's a lot there that can be explored, but, uh, you know, just ran out of space. <laughs> hey, who knows? Maybe you'll be doing a Two-Face comic soon. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. I think that's that's what's great about playing in these worlds is, like, as much as you would have wanted that space, like, there's a history with the character where you kind of understand where, like, as much as we didn't get to see that space, like, when I'm reading the book, I, like, I'm filling that in my head. I'm like, yeah. all right, he would have done this. And also, like, the, the things he, he does, you know he's struggling because he's two-faced. He has two distinct kind of personalities always kind of going at each other. So, like, throughout the book, like, you feel that, even though, you know, you're not immediately doing, like, the Batman the Animated series of him looking in the mirror and sweating and <laughs> kind of struggling. You know he's struggling with that, even though he's on TV smiling and stuff. And I thought that was really good about the book is, like, as much as you do kind of put those um, explicit details there there's a lot in it that's like really like there if you if you look for it All right and that's why I, why i really love the book because it's like you know even though batman is not in it like you know towards the end when you find out what you know what he sends selena for you're like right. yeah that is exactly what <laughs> what batman would do like you didn't really need for him to kind of like say those things or anything like that but you know, these characters, as much as this is very much your story, you found a way to kind of like use their, our perception and what we think of them to kind of fill in those little spots. Yeah, I think it's interesting how like these characters change over the years too. Like this is definitely one take on Batman. It's not the only take on Batman that I would have, but this is the one where he's completely devoted to this war on crime, you know, this unwinnable war on crime and will sacrifice anything to you know, for that mission. And that's a more modern, you know, a contemporary take on that character versus like, you know, like Adam West or like Super Friends or even, you know, like Jim Aparo, 70s, you know, kind of Superman, uh, Batman stuff. So, but that's kind of the Batman that we accept now, you know, guy yeah. who's kind of dedicated himself to this mission, regardless of whatever psychological damage it does to him, you know? Um, and that's what we see as heroism versus, you know, maybe an earlier take on Batman where it's just him deciding to fight crime is is enough and, and heroic in and of itself. And, and just taking taking like the law into his own hands and trying to find, you know, a way of making sure that nobody else gets hurt the way he was hurt, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas I think today we tend to think of Batman almost working out his psychological trauma through the mask you know so you know the, one is more you know kind of hopeful and you know about people and the other one is like well people are really complicated <laughs> yeah and i'm really glad this is on dc ultra because those little tidbits of you know not getting to develop two-face as much as you want i if i'm thinking about something i'm like did he do this is this a clue is this a hint i can just pull out my phone and find it right there and as I was doing some of those things for some of the characters and thinking of how they're developing. I noticed that the the man behind the computer for Selena, he has the dopest shirts. He's got the <laughs> like a black Green Lantern logo and it says green and then he's got the the black Adam shirt. Uh and then it doesn't say Supreme, it's Superman and the whole shop that they run for the sneakers. I'm like, man, this is very New York, but also where can I buy these shirts? 
Yeah. Um, thanks. You know, the, one of the things that, you know, I wanted to show about Gotham is that it's a modern city, you know, and I think a lot of our cities, when you walk down the street, you just see logos and brands and stuff everywhere. It's just kind of, you know, it's, it's the world we live in and, and the way clothes are designed. Like those are all parts of making a world feel lived in and real now. And, you know, the problem is like, how do you do that in a fictional world where I can't show like a Google logo or something like that, you know, like I can't use actual brands. And so for me, it was a workaround. It started as a workaround where like, oh, I'll just have these brands, but they're actually DC properties. And then it became, well, no, that's, let's make it a story thing too, where some of these logos and stores or whatever are the second act for these characters as I got older. So Selena's wearing like a black canary um, tracksuit, you know, and maybe, you know, Dinah Lance has gone, gotten into making like yoga gear and stuff like that. You know, uh, you know, Killer Croc is wearing, um, you know, uh, it's like a Gotham Knights uh, jersey, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The Gotham Knights jersey, which looks like suspiciously like the Mets, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also backstory there. Um, but, you know, yeah. So all these things, especially the streetwear, uh, you know, that, that kind of fashion I wanted in there because, it, it, you know, it is, it's a real thing and, and it's a way of, you know, playing with the DCU as well and, and, and having some fun with it as well, you know, and, and it's kind of, they're all Easter eggs, you know, if you don't yeah. know who's on a shirt or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just a cool looking shirt. It yeah. is a cool looking shirt, and if you make it, I will I will totally buy it. <laughs> I texted Chris because uh, I'm a big Green Lantern fan. And I was like, I have found like the coolest Green Lantern shirt in this comic. Do you know where I can buy this? Because I will put down money right now. Yeah, they're all like riffs on you know, like that's like a like an off white you know um, shirt you know, and you know trying to find brands with really recognizable brands and like just you know, um, kind of goof on, you know, this kind of doing this mashup of DC with, you know, with fashion brands, um, you know, it was a lot of fun and it was hard to do actually. I started to run out of stuff by the end. <laughs> I mean, they were pretty good. I, I, I noticed the, um, the green arrow billionaire boys club one was a oh, yeah, really good right. one. Um, and obviously actually, like, that's truly, that's green team, um, oh, green which team. is yeah. like, yeah, the, uh, the editor, um, my editor, Chris Conroy, one of his first books that he edited was uh, the green team that I think was maybe around new 52. Oh, era. Okay, cool. yeah. um, and so that's like a billionaire boys club shirt, yeah. you know, but then trillionaire green team. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, Oliver's a green Oliver. That's where I kind of made the, right, the right, connection right. and billionaire, but it, it was cool. Cause you know, like as, as I'm reading the book and I'm like, is that unique type? <laughs> like the store they're in. And obviously like when they're holding the shoe and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And for, for you, obviously like, um, what was big like when i was in high school was those those vapes that were actually like the dc collab and stuff like that i'm actually really excited they're doing the marvel one i actually told my girlfriend i was like hey christmas list. like <laughs> i was like i can't afford the originals but there's new ones <laughs> right. so those are that's pretty dope and it just speaks to kind of like the the level of detail and um as fun as it is to be able to pick it up in front i do encourage people to 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 get the physical one because you know, obviously in that premium format to be able to see the art, experience it, get get all of that in. What was it like kind of working in that format, especially as an artist? Uh, I, I really liked the format. It's it's kind of surprising how different it is to work at, on a 
on a larger page, on, on a page that you know is going to be printed larger. Um, you know, for me, I thought, oh, what's the difference, right? But it turns out like each page is wider, you know, and um, proportionally, you know, and that gives you more space to do more storytelling. For me, you know, I could add more panels. And and one of the things that I loved about doing this was how dense the storytelling could be. You know, there's a lot of, you know, you guys are, are calling out this stuff and it's very, a lot of it is very intentional. You know, it's like, I knew that I could, you know, refer to this thing here or drop a detail here and then pick it up later, you know, and know that because it's for an older audience that people would be paying attention and pick up on that stuff. So yeah, the black label format, that magazine size is, is really cool. It, it takes a lot of work, but, um, but I really enjoyed it. And it feels different from a monthly comic. And I think it should, you know, monthly comics are their own thing. It's like having, um, yeah, it's, it's like the difference of like, you know, watching something on TV versus like a movie screen or something like that. Even a, even a small movie, small theater, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it definitely kind of elevates and the story is great, too, because, you know, you're able to have that kind of like set up and pay off. I think especially at the end, you know, all of these characters, what's awesome is that all of these characters are kind of going through the art. You know, they're yeah. trying to they're struggling with where they are in the in life. They don't know how to move forward. And sort of you brought up sort of where where Batman was as someone dedicated to who he was. He kind of and what's sad about that is like reading the story. if obviously spoiler he dies but i feel like if he had gotten those 10 years would he still be the same batman would he still be in the same spot that that selena is in would would eventually they get to that place where you know selena is where she's like you know maybe i can save you know some semblance of bruce maybe we would have gotten a chance to to get away because you know selena's at that spot is like as much as she is that free spirit she's at a point where like hey, like I lost these 10 years, you know, like I could have been with Bruce on a beach somewhere. It could have been the end of the dark night, you know, rises <laughs> us right. in France yeah. at that restaurant. And I, I really love that because all those characters go through it. Even Etrigan, you know, even the characters that sadly don't make it to the end. It's it's one of those things where, you know, and it makes it really real. I think, you know, with time, we all kind of look back and see like, hey, like maybe if I would have done this or done that, or, yeah. you know, maybe we you know, spend our days trying to correct the, our mistakes from the past. So I really wanted to shout you out and sort of like the way you were able to tell that story. And it was just a great book, you know, and I'm I'm really glad you were able to kind of talk to us about it, which is awesome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, one of my, you know, one of the most important things for me when writing the book was to have compassion for the characters and where they might be in their journey, um, you know, as they get older and and they have their regrets and and you know what are they doing about you know those regrets with their lives have they moved on you know and and just about everybody has moved on except for selena um you know because selena just spent 10 years in jail just stewing over everything that happened and and missing out um you know probably one of the healthiest characters is barbara gordon you know who um after fool's night after being paralyzed and, you know, like has dedicated herself to, you know, um, the public good, you know, and, and working in, within politics and trying to make uh, change in the community. And, but she's somebody who probably has had a lot of therapy, you know, after you know, <laughs> losing her dad and, you know, and, 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 uh, and Dick Grayson and, you know, and everybody. And so, but she's in a much better place where she's focused and she knows what she needs to do. But even she has an arc too, um, to figuring out, you know, what 
the world, you know, should be by the end or what Gotham could be. Yeah, I really liked how for her, she did step away from, of course, because of the events in the comics, she steps away from wearing the mask and doing anything that's like related to being a, a superhero. Yeah. And then she kind of winds up back where her dad was at the very end. And I was like, there's no way she's going to embrace Selena or do anything with her. And the compassion that Selena has for her and for so many other characters is it just shifts her point of view as a character when she comes out of jail. But she's a, a lot more compassionate person. And I, I love how she kind of helps Barbara get to where her dad was and really see the value of yeah. what her dad did. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of the way like in which Batman year one is like this story of Bruce Wayne and Gordon, you know, like lonely city is about Selena and Barbara, you know, and Barbara learns to recognize like the, the importance of those symbols, those superhero symbols, um, you know, and, and specifically, you know, that um, her standing off against Harvey Dent, um, with the tank and, you know, seeing what it means to, to, for people to have, uh, to be inspired by, you know, a hero. Um, and so that's kind of like the beginning of her seeing again, you know, cause she's had a stance of, you know, no, no masks, no capes, um, you know, when I become mayor, you know, and she has to kind of slowly make peace with that as well, you know? And, and I think that's kind of the beauty of, Catwoman is a kind of anarchy that she always brings, you know, like she, but it's, it's, that's just life, you know, you can try and lock down all these things, you know, uh, and you, maybe you can do it for a few years, but it won't be forever, you know, and eventually uh, people become, you know, uh, you can't control people like that. And, and you're going to have some chaos. And Lonely City, again, you know, I've said it a couple of times it is great. And like, in terms of what you want to do next is has DC approached you about, you know, tackling any other characters in this kind of way, because I want to see Cliff's version of the DC universe. Now I'm kind of like sold on, <laughs> I'm like, Hey, can we see that original pitch? Like, uh, especially with, with your work you've done, you know, um, our friend Holden would not let us live if we didn't ask you about wonder woman because he's the biggest wonder woman new 52 fan. But like, again, like the way you, you guys kind of tackled that, like, I just love your your take on things. So if if there's um, is there a pitch or something they've approached you about that you, that's kind of like festering in your mind that you want to tackle next? Right. Um, I, I have to admit I'm a little burned out right now, <laughs> having you know only recently yeah. finished uh, Catwoman. But I would love to return to this this timeline, this story, this universe. Um, I, I think there are more stories to tell. I, you know, I, I do have ideas uh but then i could you know and and there are a bunch of different ways uh you could go with it um but uh not yet not yet i you know we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see what the future brings yeah, yeah. please more etrigan because uh, DC <laughs> seems to forget him sometimes and then he pops up in cool ways like this you're like why doesn't he have a book <laughs> yeah that or like when the dr fate helmet shows up i'm like please have this come back in some way or <laughs> i've read some of the work that you've done on green arrow and black canary and i was like man if they slip in sometime inside right. of lonely city or if there's something that comes up in the future like i'm gonna be the first person to buy a book <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and um you know to kind of 
wrap it up i i think you know between this it's been a big year for you and i, I know sa- sadly like paper girls didn't get renewed but what was that experience like um seeing something you know you obviously created with brian k vaughn come to the screen i think it's always cool to see you know when creators get that moment you know not everyone gets to to experience that of course you know they may see like a costume they may have designed in a batman movie <laughs> once and stuff or you know see that little things but what was the experience of like seeing paper girls come to the screen it was i'm so grateful for it. it you know it's it's overwhelming really if if i stop to think about it um you know it, i'm we got to tell the story that we wanted to tell we had the 30 issues of comics that we're very proud of and if that were it uh, you know I, i'd be happy you know but to then have this show which then you know brought this story another version of the story to all these other people who could then you know kind of fall in love with the ideas in the comic and maybe discover the comic on their on their own separately, you know, is really great. And just seeing how, you know, we got a very passionate reaction. You know, people who liked the show really liked it. And and to me, that's like the best possible, you know, uh, response, you know. Um, and I think the show, you know, did something that, you know, you don't, often see in television, you know, following a group of young girls and putting them, you know, front and center, you know, front and center as the protagonists, you know, and, and not doing it in a way that, you know, revolved around more stereotypical, you know, um, kinds of stories. So, you know, it, it's a gift, you know, the, the, for the show uh, to have come out. I'm, I'm, I am, of course, you have, you know, heartbroken that, you know, they didn't, weren't able to continue I thought, you know, the actresses were so great. The cast was so great and the, and the writing staff were so good. Um, I would have loved to have seen what they would have done with a, a second season. But I'm really happy for what we got. And I think that's probably the, you know, the only way to make peace with it. You know, otherwise, you know, I just get angry about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it, it, it's dope. It's like, I, I, it's it's one of those things that, again, not everyone gets to experience, you know, see their their work kind of be, take on a new life you know whereas like with lonely city you're riffing on you know someone like the show is someone you know taking your work and kind of giving their take on it and kind of filtering it through their lens and hopefully you know i think we we live in a time where you know things don't end so hopefully we you know there's a a a time where we maybe see that that story revisited but you know just wanted to congratulate you on that and and also lonely city which Anyone that will listen, I'm I've told, hey, you should read this. Yo, yeah, this is like probably <laughs> yeah. my favorite book of the year. Yeah. Thank so you. I Thanks. I literally was like, hey Troy, uh, you need to read this. I was like, you know, because I had the um I had the floppies, but someone had spoiled the fool's <laughs> night thing for me. So like I like, uh, I'm a dad. So like if I give it like three months, I forget this. So I was right. like, so I was like, I actually purposely was like, all right, I'm gonna put it on a shelf and then give me like a couple months and then I'll read. And then when I started reading it, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I'm glad, you know, I, I gave myself that little bit of surprise because I forget who it was. It might've been at my shop or something. And it wasn't even the whole full night, you know, um, my son is named Grayson. So obviously I'm a Nightwing fan. Nice. And someone had told me Nightwing dies. I was like, well, I'm not going to read it right now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it, look, there's definitely ways that you could talk about that first issue or or the series as a whole and um and it it could be pretty bleak you yeah. know if if you want to just 
dwell on the dark stuff because there is a lot of darkness in it. But, you know, I, I think when you read it, especially once you hit that second issue, you see how that darkness has turned the city and the characters into something, you know, and, and that, you know, people survive, you know, life goes on. And, uh, you know, and that's what I love about, you know, how the book changes from book, you know, from issue to issue, you know, it, it deepens and, and you get more context and, and you, you learn more about the characters and the city. Speaking of that darkness, like every single issue, Selena is always like someone's candle of hope throughout the entire series and it, it gets darker and darker the more you go along but she's always the character of course it's her book but like she's the one that like i cling to the most in this, this series because she's the person giving not only her friends and the former villains but more importantly now the people of gotham more hope than they've had in the last 10 years so She's she's an excellent character. I think you did a great job with this book. And I could talk to you for hours of like, man, I love this little detail. I love what you do with this and how you incorporate all these villains in it. But man, if you haven't read it, like Chris said, this is gonna be the book we're gonna tell people to read this year and for years to come. Well, cool. Thank you. The um hardcover collection comes out in in December. Um, so in just a few weeks. And uh, you know, and it's great. If you pick it up at your comic book shop, there's a retailer direct market variant. Um, that has a cool dust jacket that unfolds and you can see a bunch of my character designs on it. And so you get this cool poster as well, and, you know, and that's separate. That's different from any other version, you know, that you get from, you know, from, uh, all, you know, online retailers and stuff like that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Well, we'll have to I'm check have to that, get that Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then at the next New York Comic Con, I'm going to need you to remark the sneakers in the, <laughs> in the book. <laughs> Well, Cliff, thank you for coming on. And with that, bada boom. Bada boom. Bada boom. Thank you for listening to the Bada Boom podcast. Keep the conversation going on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Get in the comments on our YouTube channel and let us know what you'd like to hear next. And please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen.